It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's 8 floors up. That's like 8 times... I don't... A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash chooseblue by December 11th. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. As always, I appreciate you listening. This is your daily Bengals podcast. We come at you every single day, at least five times a week, that is. You can follow me on Twitter, at James Erpine. And before every game, I bring Joe Goodberry on, and we discuss the upcoming game. They got the... The Browns this weekend. Some analysts are predicting a Browns upset as they're looking for their first victory of the season. We'll dive into it with Joe. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Joe, before we get to the Bengals, I know you're a big Spider-Man guy. The the trailer released uh, for the new Spider-Man Homecoming movie. What'd you think of it? I thought it was awesome. I feel like they hit all the points you'd look for if you're a, if you're a big nerd like me. You want some comedy with Spider-Man. You want him to be. Uh, dealing with high school issues, normal everyday kid issues, but dealing with being a hero and you know just being a normal guy. So I, I thought they definitely nailed it with the tone and with the with the with the humor. So I'm excited for it. Joe talks football on his Twitter feed. Also talks superheroes. So if you're into that, give him a follow at Joe Goodberry. Let, let's dive into this game on Sunday because, and you knew it was coming. And and I know we've discussed it a little bit, but it's been all about oh well. Hugh Jackson, Cleveland needing a win. They're at home. Here's my thing, Joe, is I can't see Robert Griffin III, who I think is their best quarterback. If it, It's supposed to snow like three to five inches and be snowing and really cold in Cleveland. I can't see him leading the Browns offense, scoring a bunch of points in the cold, in the snow, because that's going to make it difficult for him to run and throw the deep ball, and those are the two things I think he does well. To me, I, I just don't see – the Bengals losing to the Browns on Sunday. What, what, what's your take or overall take on this game? Yeah, and I, I like your points on Griffin, especially in the weather and considering he hasn't played since the beginning of the year. He's not going to be crisp. I mean, you wouldn't expect him to. I, I think the Browns mostly are just looking to get him in and get him reps and find out what they have in him this last four weeks, even if that means a, a cold-weather, snowy game. Because, face it, they play in Cleveland. That's going to be what they face every time they play in December at home. So, uh, you know, it's probably just an evaluation for them to see how he handles the situation. But I agree. You take away probably his running, probably his deep ball accuracy. And what are you left with? Griffin's never been a, a rhythm passer, a guy that keeps the offense on time and, you know, gets little four or five yard passes to set up the big play. So 
I like the Bengals defense. The Bengals defense has played fantastic the last month of the season. You have to be, you know, leaning towards them and uh, them in this uh, matchup and this advantage is definitely going towards the Bengals. And on offense for the for Cincinnati, Cleveland's defense has been pretty bad for most of the year. They can't stop the run as we as we saw the last time they played. The Bengals ran all over them. And Jeremy Hill, I think, averaged 18 yards a carry against them. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's crazy. So I, I expect to see them get to the ground game again and uh, try and just run it down their throats and. and see if the Browns can stay with you, which I don't think they can with the way the Bengals defense has been playing. Yeah, and that's that's my thought exactly. Bengals defense playing better, Robert Griffin rusty. Here's the one thing that, that our listeners are probably saying to themselves is snowy weather usually makes the better team. It's almost like an equalizer, and it gives the team with less talent uh, an advantage because of the, the, the climate and the weather and how it affects the game. What would you say to that to someone that would say, well, the Browns have a better shot in the snow because it's going to make everyone kind of give everyone an equal playing field? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dispute that. You know, I, I would expect a a lower scoring game when you're dealing with weather conditions like they should see on Sunday. If we're talking about a game that maybe ends up 13-10, 17-14 in that range because of the weather and because Let's face it, both of these offenses haven't been dynamic. I don't know how much points we should look for anyways unless the Bengals rip it open the way they did last time against the Browns. But as we've seen throughout the year, that's more of an outlier than it's been the trend throughout the whole year with the Bengals' offense. So if they have a down game, if the weather affects them, yeah, I expect a a final that comes within seven points. So anytime you, you have that and you have the Browns that need a win desperately, they need a win more than the Bengals do. I think the Bengals pretty much realize they're they're out of it at this point. Um, it, the Browns are going to be desperate. So if you you t- tell me you have a seven point game, Browns are at home. Uh, it's a weather game. Anything could happen. We're talking fumbles or, or something wild could happen with the snow. Sure, I I, I could see that argument. You know what's going to happen is I've defended Mike Nugent through all of his struggles and tried to say uh, he's not the reason they lost. He's going to miss like three field goals in the snow against Cleveland and they're going to lose. <laughs> And it was kind of be fantastic, though. I, mean, I don't want them to lose. I don't want them to they lose. They couldn't but... keep him, right? Like, after that, right. they wouldn't be able to? I mean, I'm not so sure at this point. At this point, <laughs> I think they're just like, you're on the team for the rest of the year no matter what. We really don't care. We'll figure it out in the offseason. But at the same time, I, I know a lot of fans, they might uh, say this to you on Twitter. I know they say it to me, but they're kind of hoping the Bengals do lose out the rest of the year. If you're not going to make the playoffs, let's secure a top six pick. So I don't think half the fans will be upset. Cut Nugent, the team's a joke, all that stuff, the normal normal rant. And then on Monday they would say, you know, it's probably not that bad. We're going to end up with a top five pick, top six pick. So, uh, you know, there's a little bit of okay with losing this game. Yeah, I definitely want a talent in, uh, injection come draft time with this roster. I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. We're talking with Joe Goodberry as we do before every Bengals game. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Let's get into some Bengals news that that, that we heard today, and it's offensive line news. Cedric Abwehi moving from right tackle to left tackle. He calls it his natural position. It is. That's what he played in college, I assume, what uh, what's your take or, or your opinion on the move, and, and will it benefit Abwehi? Well, yeah, the first thing is the natural position thing. I don't know. I, uh, that's probably his own comfort ability. That that's what he thinks he is. <laughs> yeah. He only played eleven games at left tackle. He played fifteen at right tackle and thirteen at right guard in college. 
he was actually benched from left tackle and was moved back to right tackle because wow. he was playing so poorly. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing. I know a lot of people said he's got left tackle upside. He's, he looks like a left tackle because of his agility and because of his athleticism. Well, he never played good there. He never he never was a full time starter at left tackle for a, for a full season for for A and M. So it's kind of interesting. I do think he's been getting mauled and destroyed at right tackle. I mean, I think everyone would agree with that. So if you're saying okay, Cedric, wherever you feel comfortable, you tell me. And if he says I feel better at left tackle, then I'm I'm going with that because as of right now. Uh, he, he wouldn't work in the NFL. He's probably a bust at this point. And I know it's hard to say that after two years and maybe, what is it, 10, 11 starts. But what he's shown is that he is not good. He can't handle it right now. So if you say, okay, move him to left tackle, that's where he feels comfortable, that's where he feels the most confident, fine. And it might even give him an extra year of, of, of sitting and learning and watching Andrew Whitworth and, and maybe even mirroring him, getting stronger, working on his technique. Here's the thing with Oboehe. It's not a complete lost cause. But it's going to be harder for him to uh, achieve the, the status of the goal that the Bengals want him, the, the level of play they want from him. He's going to have to be a very good technician. He's going to have to get much, much stronger because it's – I mean, we're talking three years of starting at A&M and now into the second year at, since in, with the Bengals, and the same issues are popping up. He's late with his hands. He can't anchor. He's got soft hands. His punch is late. Uh, he doesn't. He, he doesn't control linemen when they get inside of him. They can bull rush him. All the same issues we saw. They were all there in college. They just didn't pop up as much because of the level of competition for whatever reason. But those issues were there. So he's going to have to completely rebuild his technique, completely rebuild his strength, and try and salvage what he has left. And we know he's athletic. And and I think that was the reason why a lot of teams said, uh, or a lot of analysts said, he was a top 20 pick had he not got injured uh, that last year. Because of the upside, and the upside only happens if he makes that other half of him his weakness. If he takes his weaknesses and makes him a strength, and he's going to have to work at it. And like I said, maybe moving him to left tackle, if they extend Whitworth for another year, maybe that gives him more time to actually grind it out and and come out in maybe 2018 as a completely different player because that's what it's going to take. Joe, yesterday I, I talked about this, and I know we have and in, in, in discussed this on this podcast, but... The thing ab- about this whole situation is you have Cedric Abuehi, you have Jake Fisher, and then you also have Andrew Whitworth, who- who's up after this year. I assume he's going to want a two-year deal. So there, there, there's one guy where now you're in a dilemma. You have two young players that you invested high picks on, and if you sign Andrew Whitworth to a two-year deal, I assume it's so he can start at that position on the offensive line. The other dilemma the Bengals have is in the cornerback position. And, we, and we've discussed this, but but I find it interesting because now with Dre playing as well as he is, Dre Kirkpatrick's going to command pretty big money. I, I assume around $40 million a year, or $40, 40 million a year, $40 million contract, something like that. So yeah. they're going to be either forced to pay Dre Kirkpatrick or you let him walk and you roll out Darquez Denard and William Jackson and all these guys. But if you pay Dre... There's no spot for William Jackson. So they have two veterans on the roster that they they trust probably that they're probably going to have to pay this offseason. And what it's going to do is it's going to keep top picks on the bench next year. Yeah, and they put themselves in this dilemma with the way they've drafted. And while BPA, best player available, is always a great strategy because you want to draft good players above anything else. At the same time, there has to be a plan for those guys to see the field. It's not their rookie year, which most teams will find a way to play these guys 
they have to find a way onto the field in the, in the second year of, of their rookie deal. Uh, and not only just because of development reasons, but because that's cheap labor. If you got a, if you have a good player playing well in the second, third, fourth year of, of his deal, that is you, know, you you don't have to worry about an extension or picking up the option until year four. You don't have to really start paying these guys. These good teams they, around the league, they're getting good production from cheap labor from their rookies on their rookie deals. And whether or not I, I don't mean first year rookies, I mean in the rookie deals, the first four years, maybe five years if you're a first rounder. But for the Bengals, because they drafted Jackson, because they drafted Denard without a real plan to get them on the field, because they drafted Cedric Obwehi, and they, I think they had a plan there. Let Andre Smith go, Obwehi will step right in. You come back in the second round, you say, Jake Fisher's here. You know what? Whitworth's getting pretty old. He could fall off the cliff anytime. We'll take Fisher. But the problem with that is now we're going into year three. We're still not sure who either guy is. We're not sure if either guy is going to be good. And now we have to decide, do you let Andrew Whitworth walk? He's still very, very good. Sure, he could fall off that career cliff at any time, but there's no signs of it right now. He's still one of the best pass blockers in the NFL. So they put themselves in this situation. A normal team under normal circumstances may may look at this and say, Whitworth's good. We're going to, we're going to sign him. Kirkpatrick's good right now. We're going to sign him. And we'll let it fall out how it goes. But at the same time, you could end up two years down the road again. And we've seen this story kind of play out, especially at corner, where a guy still hasn't played. If Jackson still hasn't played in year three, that's a problem. You're wasting first-round picks. You're wasting the value of a first-round pick with the cheap labor. They were drafting the last couple of years as if they didn't have major holes. They were drafting as if they were one of the most talented teams in the league, you know, a top three talent. And they were. But at the same time, there were holes that were creeping up in the in the future years that they didn't they didn't address. Things like defensive end, wide receiver, center, nose tackle, linebacker. They had other holes that they did not address. And they drafted as if every first round pick was, even some second rounders were a luxury. William Jackson, they drafted him as a luxury. Dark was Denard at the time was drafted as a luxury. Same with Obwehi and, and Fisher. They drafted these guys knowing they want to play in year one, maybe not even in year two. I just think that's a terrible strategy, and it's put them in a hole and in a situation where they're going to have to probably extend, even if they extend Kirkpatrick and Wentworth. And I would agree with that completely because they're playing well and because they're good players. If you do that, you're admitting you have wasted some of the resources. The, the biggest resource the Bengals use in the offseason to add talent is through the draft. And they're wasting it and wasting prime years of these guys that could be cornerstones of your team. Yeah, to me, and I've thought about it a lot, I almost wouldn't extend Dre. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with his play or anything like that. It's because you have these guys that have to play. You ha- I, To me, I want to see William Jackson the third next year. I just do. And uh, the only way to do that, you're already committed to Pac-Man. I, I assume yeah. he's going to be here. So to, to me, it... And we'll have plenty of time to talk about it. I just, I just find it really interesting. So, Joe, no, I'm with you. One other point I was going to say is, for me, as you know, I love the draft, and I try and watch these guys and grade them. I thought William Jackson was a stud corner. I liked him better than Kirkpatrick. I liked him better than Darquez Denard coming out. If they have an opportunity to get him on the field next year as a starter, I'm for it. Save that. $8 $8 million or maybe even more from Kirkpatrick, but only if they're going to use that money to go and attack another position and solidify another position. They are so deep at corner right now, assuming Jackson's healthy. And so many teams would take half of what the Bengals have at corner. They could let Kirkpatrick go, 
and use that money to sign a defensive end or a linebacker or, or, or a right tackle, a legitimate right tackle. So I, I'm with you. If they use that money, it could be a good plan. For sure. Looking at this game on Sunday, just give me your, your prediction score-wise and, and kind of how you think this game will play out. Because in the first matchup, without A.J. Green, I mean, he changed things at, right before the half with that Hail Mary catch. Yeah, I'm not sure. Right. You know, it's not at least a, a one-possession uh, one game at Paul Brown Stadium at the end of that one. It ended up being kind of a blowout. But I don't know. With the snow, it's kind of a toss-up. I lean Bengals. But what's your take, Joe? Yeah, probably lean Bengals also, but you're right about that green Hail Mary. At the, before that, and I remember Hugh Jackson calling a timeout on that drive to kind of get the Bengals going. I don't he, think he did that intentionally, but it did get the Bengals going, and, and it changed the momentum for the rest of the game. Before that, the offense was struggling. The defense was just okay. Uh, they were having issues with, with uh, who was having Hogan that was running on him for the Browns. Yep. Uh, yeah, and so I could see something similar. You're talking about the Browns coming off of a bye week. Your Jackson's going to have something ready. It's, maybe they come out there and run the read option with, with Robert Griffin and really make the Bengals linebackers have to make decisions on the fly and have to chase them and chase their good. Both They have two good running backs, too. So I don't think the talent gap is that big here, especially with Green and Bernard out. Um, I do think the Bengals will lean on the run again. We, Jeremy Hill got 25 touches last week, and I could see something similar happening happening again, whether we like it or not, whether we're comfortable with them doing that or not. I can see them still still trying to ride him and say, hey, last game, he busted off two big runs, and that really sealed the game and took over the game for them. You break one of those off again, and again, I think this is a close game, probably a 16-13 to 13 type game, uh, especially if the weather is as bad as, as they predict. So if it is, I do like the Bengals, but I think it will be close. If it comes down to Mike Nugent, do you trust him? No, no, not at all. <laughs> you don't even have to ask. I don't think anybody trusts my. I don't, yeah, I I don't think the team, watch the team. Like, what was it, extra point that he missed last week or the week before? There's the team celebrating the touchdown. They're they're kind of high-fiving on the sideline. Nugent miss, miss, misses the extra point, and they're just all like, man, whatever. If it, if it was anybody else on the team continually, continuously failing to do their job the way Mike Nugent has, they would be getting cut or benched. There should be some repercussions. I think what they do with Nugent, and I know we're going off a little bit here and going on a little bit of a rant, but what they've shown with Nugent and shown the leniency with him failing to do his job, I don't see how you don't think that's contagious to the rest of the team to say, hey, he's safe. I mean, we're at the end of the year here. Yeah, we're not making the playoffs. That's why you're keeping Nugent around, so whatever. So I guess I can just mess up. Is everyone just going to get a little bit more relaxed because – you know, that sends a message to the rest of the guys that you're not going to punish somebody that can't do his job. Joe, let me give you a hypothetical here. If the Bengals, let's say they're up by two, 22-20, Mike Nugent's missed a field goal or two, they score a touchdown to go ahead, and there's two minutes left. Do you kick the extra point to go up by three with the Browns getting the ball, or do you, would you go for two, and try to seal the game or make the Browns go the length of the field for a game-winning touchdown. Man, that's tough. Okay, so you're up 22-20, correct? Correct. You so by, you're up by two. Right. So you either go up 23-20 or 24-20, uh, you know, assuming you make either one or you stay if you miss it. Uh, man, that's tough. I wonder what the, what the statistics say. 
on this. Um, two minutes left. You got to think if if the Browns have already scored 20 points in that game, that they probably have a decent shot to drive down the field and kick a field goal at the end. So a field goal, an extra point, only ensures a tie. But the way he's kicking, what is he? You feel like what 60 percent? You might feel uh, confident that he kicks that and makes that, especially in the snow. Any in note that yeah, he has missed right. kicks pre this this kick, like during the game, he missed a kick at some point. Okay, he already missed a kick at some point. Yeah, in my <laughs> right. mind, but yeah, because because if he's hitting his kicks, you you just kick it, right? You play it safe, but right. But even he's missed so many in the last few weeks. How much does it even affect your confidence anyway? Now you already don't feel confident in it. I, I I think I'd go for more fourth downs than Marvin Lewis Marvin Lewis does anyways. And he, why haven't we gone for two already? Uh, the last few weeks we should go for two every single time. But yes, I think in this situation you go for two and say, hey, uh, you score and make it twenty four twenty, then the Browns have to score a touchdown to beat you. I feel more confident in, in your defense forcing the Browns to need a touchdown than I do that Mike Newton not only hits the extra point, but you keep the Browns with two minutes left out of field goal range to not only tie it, but in that scenario, take the lead. So, yeah, go for two, try and get it, and rely on your defense. Joe, as always, man, I appreciate you joining us. All right, James, take care. Joe, let me give you a hypothetical here. If the Bengals, let's say they're up by two, 22-20, Mike Nugent's missed a field goal or two. They score a touchdown to go ahead, and there's two minutes left. Do you kick the extra point to go up by three with the Browns getting the ball, or do you, would you go for two and try to seal the game or make the Browns go the length of the field for a game-winning touchdown? Man, that's tough. Okay, so you're up 22-20, correct? Correct. So you're up by two. Right, so you either go up 23-20 or 24-20, uh, you know, assuming you make either one or you stay if you miss it. Uh, man, that's tough. I wonder what the what the statistics say on this. Um, two minutes left, you've got to think if, if the Browns have already scored 20 points in that game that they probably have a decent shot to drive down the field and kick a field goal at the end. So a field goal, an extra point, only ensures a tie. But the way he's kicking, what is he? You feel like, what, 60% you might feel uh, confident that he kicks that and makes that? Especially in the snow, think... and he, in note that yeah, he has missed right. kicks pre this this kick. Like, during the game, he missed a kick at some point. Okay, he already missed a kick at some point. Yeah, in my <laughs> right. mind, but yeah, because if he's hitting his kicks, you, you just kick it, right? You play it safe, but... Right. But even he's missed so many in the last few weeks. I, how much does it even affect your confidence anyway? Now, you already don't feel confident in it. I, I I think I'd go for more fourth downs than Marvin Lewis, Marvin Lewis does anyways. And he, why haven't we gone for two already uh, the last few weeks? We should go for two every single time. But, yes, I think in this situation, you go for two and say, hey, uh, you score and make it 24-20, then the Browns have to score a touchdown to beat you. I feel more confident in, in your defense forcing the Browns to need a touchdown than I do that Mike Newton not only hits the extra point, but you keep the Browns with two minutes left out of field goal range to not only tie it, but in that scenario, take the lead. So, yeah, go for two, try and get it, and rely on your defense. Joe, good stuff as always. Appreciate you coming on Locked on Bengals. All right, James, take care. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Yeah, hypothetical scenario. Everyone would jump at, oh, take the – the two, go for two, but that's tough. That's tough because if you don't get it, then a field goal beats you. It'll be interesting. Sunday, follow me on Twitter, at James Arpine. Usually I tweet during the game, and uh, yeah, I'll be 
Heck, if, if, I'll, I'll put this out there. I'll be at Dickman's in North in Northern Kentucky. If uh, if you guys are interested, uh, you could come say hi um, with my boy Dan Claskins. I, I tweet his stuff. I work with him uh, on GetSportsInfo.com. So until then, when we'll have uh, obviously a complete recap of Browns Bengals, and we'll see if the Bengals are the best team in Ohio or not, the best NFL team. Until then, I'm James Erpine. As always, I appreciate you listening to Locked on Bengals. If you've missed any of our episodes, you hear from Andrew Whitworth, Cody Core. I talk about the perfect landing spot for A.J. McCarron. So go back and listen to this week's episodes if you haven't yet. I appreciate you listening as always. Thank you. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wildcard exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.